you've got parish council, local council, county council, MPs. In, in amongst all that, you've got the local governance, you've got the local alliance. Then above the MPs, you've got the lords. Then above them, you had the EU. Now, did you know the EU cost billions, hundreds of billions of pounds a year just to run the business, let alone anything else? Now, give me 500 billion, which is what I believe they're costing, and I could get rid of people on the streets in Europe in three years. Take away those diamonds, I don't need those rocks. A second-hand car and a new pair of socks. I want liberty without conditions. This episode of Chasing Liberty welcomes Tom Jones. No, I know what you're thinking. It's not Tom Jones, the singer from the Welsh Valleys. Although this gentleman may well be from the Welsh Valleys himself. He used to... Uh, run into burning buildings for a living, and now he's run into a completely different kind of fire in the world of local politics. So we're going to have a conversation with him and find out what prompted him to take a stand, to go there, to be counted, uh, to put himself up for for election in, in, in the world of local politics. Okay, over to you, Tom. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Yeah, um, I was fed up fed up with the same old choices, fed up with people in the local area promising the earth. I had my arm twisted a little bit by Tech Kong, someone who I respect, a clever man. He's a doctor. He's, he's worked all over the world. He's, he advised me that I should step in at the lower level rather than look at MP. I've never yeah. wanted to be an MP, ever. No way, yep. not at all. And do you know him personally, Tech? Yes, I do know Tech Kong. I've known him now for about five or six years. Uh, uh, as I said, a clever man, uh, sharp as a pin. Yep. And I value his uh, his advice. But on this occasion, um, let's just say it was slightly wrong. <laughs> well, maybe it was and maybe it wasn't because I think, you know, going into local politics and, and we'll go into it in a bit more depth, I think you need quite a bit of preparation time to get yourself into the into the frame, into the minds of the the public, and and you know for them to go in and then mark your mark your card, so to speak, so you can get elected. So what what um was it the current situation that made you do it more than anything, or was it just a general you know fed upness with same old same old? I've been involved in political parties for probably about five or six years now. Uh, I went to the House of Lords to meet Lord Norton of Louth to talk about the Constitution, because I believe that we should have a written Constitution, similar to America, small booklet where you can offer it up should something untoward occur. He was adamant that we shouldn't have it. We shouldn't have a written Constitution. What we've got is all over the place, basically. It's in little areas. When I when I mentioned Bill of Rights and Magna Carta, he actually laughed. And my wife was with me in the House of Lords, and she couldn't believe he was laughing at something that, to all intents and purposes, we all believe is something which gives us power, gives us nothing, absolutely mm. zilch. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting point because Sweden has certain legislation that means that 
for instance, their um, their their guy and uh, their chief of public health, Anders Technol, could not actually impose lockdowns because of the legislation. Um, Japan is a very similar, very similar um, legislation as well, and that, that it's illegal for them to impose lockdowns. So Japan never did it either. Um, and maybe if if you say we had a written bill of rights, then we at least would know what our rights are, rather than us thinking we have these inalienable rights, which have obviously become alienable. They, yeah, when they were relevant, they were only relevant, take something like the Magna Carta, it's only relevant to the barons and the king at the time. It had nothing to do with us plebs, and we are, we are still the lowest within society. You've got the extremely rich, then the ones below them. So, And, of course, we cannot exist without tiers, tiers of, of governance, tiers of control. We have to have someone to, to put a fire out. We have to have someone to rule a country. And between those two positions, we have to have other tiers. Otherwise, people don't fit in. And people don't need to sometimes have the push to go and get additional skills to be needed. They should just be happy where they are and let them enjoy life so long as they're giving something back to the community. But where we've become now, we now have a massive gap between top and bottom. And it's as if the void has been made for a purpose, in my humble opinion. And, and have you any idea, yes. any idea in, what that purpose is? Well, in a void, someone either climbs up into it or someone falls down into it. And a great general from many, many moons ago, Sun Tzu, said, everyone has a place. Everyone has a place in my army. Your army could be a company or whatever else. Everyone has a place and everyone should be able to fit in. Now, the problem you have with a void is if you have someone too high up the chain who shouldn't be there or someone so very clever, they fall into that gap. It's below their remit. But the problem that causes the real situation is someone climbing into that void who shouldn't be there. Perfect example, not going to pick on footballers, but if you think of a footballer, a footballer is like me. Ordinary school education, I played football. I was quite handy, but I wasn't a professional footballer. You then become a multi-millionaire. You're in that void, and you are being abused by agents, managers, and anybody around you that can sell you a bottle of champagne that's really six quid's worth for £170. So we've already got that situation in abundance And until we start looking at filling these tiers, this is only going to ever get worse. And the gap, the question you asked me about the gap, the gap is there to ensure that we can't get to them. Yeah, and and certainly in the last year, that gap's got bigger because the rich have got richer and the poor have got poorer. And some that were on the cusp of richness have been knocked back and those that were already poor have been knocked even further back so as you say the void has got bigger 
So it's giving them a bigger buffer zone. Yeah, and the, the buffer zone is what they need or what they want. Now, I talk of them as they. I don't mm. know whether it's a collective or other, but you could go to a restaurant in, in London and be precluded from entering it because a particular celebrity is in there who doesn't like anybody looking at them. We went to Saint-Tropez. Uh, we didn't have money We had with our four kids. And we went in to go into one of the clothing shops and it was shut because at the time P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, Puff, whatever you mm. want to call him, yeah. his girlfriends were there. And they were in this shop on their own, three of them. And the shop was closed to allow those three ladies to look around it and everybody else was thrown out. Now, my children were young at the time and they said, why is this happening? And I said, because they've got money and they want to be on their own and it saves their security looking after them. If I had the yeah. children with me now when they're 20, 30, I'd say, they're throwing you out because we don't matter. But I would never say that to my children at the time. Yeah, I, and I, I can see why a lot of the celebrities have embraced the mask cult because it gives them a certain degree of anonymity. Um, you know, they can wander about fairly freely and not be noticed. Yeah, and I, and I get... I've never understood the mask. Um, I taught breathing apparatus for maybe 20-odd years, and part of the breathing apparatus training is about the evolution of your breathing, how you how you breathe, how you inhale, exhale, what you do, the percentages, 21 in, 7 out, blah, blah, blah. And if you look at those percentages just on week, it doesn't matter what you say. I was in Hive the other day, and it was raining, and there must have been less than 10% of the people not wearing a mask outside. So these people were, in actual fact, waterboarding themselves. We're still screaming, yeah. you can't torture people. They're walking around. The masks were on their faces, and they were collapsing. You could hear that. Yeah. And then again, why would somebody do that? Now, that is definitely reducing yeah. your oxygen, isn't it? It, it does. And I'll, I'll be honest, I've done that. <laughs> Not through, not through choice. What happened was I, I was wearing an open face helmet and I had a buff on over my, my mouth and nose and we're heading down the motorway. We were going to, to uh, you know, across Europe or whatever. This was when you could travel. So I'm heading down the motorway and it did nothing. As, as Scotland and England are famous for, it did nothing but rain. And when I say rain, it didn't just drizzle, it rained. And, and I had to pull the buff down because I couldn't breathe through it. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And now, and a, a, a buff on a motorcycle in the summer is like one layer of very thin material. It's not three layers of plastic that some of these masks are made out of. Yeah. And that, that's the worrying part, isn't it? You've got people like myself that did a job in real time with real dangers, but before it, you could research your lectures to the to whatever extent you like, you could go laterally, up, down, left, right, whatever. It didn't matter, but you would know that clear airway is the most important thing. And yeah. If you if you took your chin down like that and try and breathe, that's constricting your airway. That's fact. Yeah. So we lift the chin up when we're giving mouth to mouth. Why would you put something on over your face? <laughs> 
What is that all about? <laughs> You've seen this St. John's Ambulance update? No. You, have you not seen that? No. Oh, when last, last year, when COVID came out and everybody was like, panic, panic, the, the update for um, giving mouth to mouth was one, don't, but if you must, if someone's having difficulty breathing, Put them down, extend their neck, you know, to extend the airway, then throw a damp cloth over their face. <laughs> that was the update. It might not have said damp. No, I'm not joking, but it, it might not have said damp cloth, but it said put a cloth or other material over their mouth and nose. And it's like, <laughs> are you, 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 you're just, that's murder. You're basically just making sure the guy's dead. Yeah. Obviously, my task, I've, I've been to many, many things, but I've never, ever seen anyone in any walk of life be the medically trained, low medically trained, trauma experts or other ever reducing the intake of oxygen. The oxygen is the thing which will make you survive because the first thing a paramedic or a firefighter or whatever would do is get oxygen into you 100%. The only time that yep. changes is with babies because you can over-oxygenate a child. But you can you pump the oxygen in because it gives more oxygen to the blood cells. So if they're losing blood, plasma, whatever you want to call it, whatever some medical person is going to question me about, what happens then is you're able to saturate what liquid they have within them and thereby giving them the best possible chance of keeping organs functioning, etc. Yet we're told yeah. you should be having a mask on. And the best bit about masks is I wear one of those snoods you're talking of, which is, yeah. I call it gossamer. Yeah, yeah. Like the old man thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, you can spit through that. it, basically. Yeah. yeah, and I can walk into a shop with that on. Mm -hmm. Why? The other joke, yeah, okay. I don't know whether you're going to show this bit, is I carry my mask in my pocket by yeah. my old man. <laughs> and I take it out of my pocket and I put it on my face and I go into the shop, smiling behind it. Is that healthy? I would say yeah. no. And it's not healthy for me and it definitely isn't healthy for you. So why are we yeah. doing it? There is nothing behind this that gives it any validation, in my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been through this on a couple of episodes now, and you're 100% correct, because, I mean, I, st I started the, the whole season off with Mark Changizi, and he, he'd done an awful lot of, in, of research into masks, and his view is they're purely there as a control mechanism. It's just a, vi a visual sig signal that people are complying. And that's why, certainly when I was in um, Scotland and England, I never once wore a mask. Not once. And if anyone asked, I just said I was exempt. I never wore a mask. I never took a lanyard. And I've, I only got asked about it on three occasions. Um, the other thing I've never done is I've never fist bumped or elbow bumped anyone they either shake my hand or I turn away and walk off and that's it I'm just not I'm not into this nonsense the elbow is there for fighting yeah but yeah. your elbow to someone to me is disrespectful so let, let's look at that as an instance we have two meter spread 
So you can't talk, you can't have a private conversation. You have to wear a mask, so your words are inaudible, they can't see your face. 80-odd percent of your message is through your eyes and your face and your mouth and your, your grimace or however. Yeah. They've got you using that to greet someone, which is aggressive in my world. That's what the elbows are used from when you're playing football, when you drive, when Formula One drivers are going. Mm-hmm. They've got their elbows out. Why are we doing these things? Why are we pushing people away when we are a social animal? We are exactly the same as any other animal that likes to live in a group, a clan, a gang, or whatever. Why are we pushing people away? I don't like pushing people away. People tend to run off anyway. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, it's the same old story, isn't it? If you keep people separate and afraid, then they're much easier to control than they are if they're together and able to talk to each other. Bang on the money. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back. Let's get back to the uh, the the election the yeah. electioneering. When did you decide that you were going to run? I know you spoke to Tech Kong and and yeah, took some advice from him. A couple of weeks before the election, so I would say fourteen days maybe. I drove up to the Midlands, up to the A one uh, M one, to the services. Um, and met up with two of the guys from the Alliance for Democracy and Freedom Party, because the paperwork had to be submitted. I felt it was good to go under the banner of another party rather than being independent, because a lot of problems come with independent parties in, in a two-week slot. You've got to do your policies, blah, blah, blah. Met them. They gave me good advice. I came away. I then started ordering my literature, uh, which I paid for myself. I was getting literature through the door from the Lib Dems, Tory and Labour. They're all posted. They've got their lackeys that do it for them. They don't, they don't do anything themselves pretty much, except for go around and tell everybody how wonderful they are and the point of the pothole. This is a pothole. We know what a pothole is. I broke a wheel. So, so they, do, they do that. Me, my wife, my kids... My mates, two mates especially, delivered 7,000 pieces of paper to homes right across our patch. So considering there's 9,000 houses with 15,000 voters, we only had 5,600 votes in total given, 37%, which is a disgrace because people should be voting. But I got a message out to everyone. Now, that took us, we had to do first, we had to do the letter drop for the postal vote. So when you become a, a, um, a candidate, you're given details, a link to go on the electoral website. They then give you a list of who postal votes. So you then, all the other parties post their letters to them before they get the postal vote through the door so that they've got the paperwork there to look at and then to decide who they're going to vote for. We had to deliver 1,600 on the Monday and Tuesday between, between me, my wife, and a few mates. And we achieved it, okay? So that, that was really good. Then we had the 5,000 or so leaflet drop. And we, we did that after the Wednesday. 
So Thursday, Friday, the Saturday, Sunday, all the way through to the election, we we posted and walked and miles and miles and we worked out. I would be up most mornings at uh, 4 35 o'clock, writing a plan, writing a script of how, what roads, where we would go, so that we weren't just bouncing around willy-nilly. And it's hard work. It's hard work when you're an independent or a smaller party. And I used to say, don't bother voting. But if you've got an independent there, vote for them, because the work that goes in by those individuals, I cannot stress enough. It, it's really demanding, John, really demanding. Yeah. And did you get any support from the, the party? Uh, the party chipped in 50 quid. Right. OK. Uh, that, would, that wouldn't go far. <laughs> well, well, they did it, and that's got to be commendable because I'd only just joined the party two weeks before. So yeah, can't really. Yeah. And we, I think we had we had eight candidates. So if you look at a small party and you take eight candidates, fifty quid each, it's a, it's a fair chunk of money, really. And so I mm -hmm. I admired them for do for making that offer. They didn't have to make that offer. I'd already had a word with my boss. You know, shoe must be obeyed, and. We'd agreed that we would pay for it. It was a one-off. Let's see how it goes. That's what the plan was. And that's how it worked. Good, good. So you've done all that, and then it comes to... Was there anything else before Election Day? Uh, we, I would go, and initially I started standing outside Waitrose. In our village, we've got Waitrose. Tesco's about a mile and a half away. And then we had a new Lidl's bill probably two years ago after a long and drawn out disagreement with people. And we got the Lidl's. I would stand outside Waitrose. Nobody was interested. Now, bear in mind, a lot of these people know me. I've lived here 30 years. No one was interested. Didn't want to take a leaflet. Didn't want to talk to me. Didn't want to converse. Very, very few of them even came close enough for me to pass them a leaflet. So I went and stood outside Lidl's <laughs> and pretty much the majority of people, I would say in excess of 90% would stand and talk. They would have a conversation. They were more than happy taking my literature and they were going away and having to think about it. And that's just in my village. So do we actually have sn shop snobbery? I don't know. So from then on, I would go to Lidl's every time and I would stand outside Lidl's and talk to people. That was that was my choice. Now, if I had yeah. a, what they call a demographic tool, John, you would be able to hone your energy at specific areas of voting. But we don't have that, but the major parties do. And that's, it's not just about the money. It's if you've got one of these tools and someone who can read it, i.e. like me, because we used to use them in the fire service, you can hone your very existence down, your existence. I wouldn't mm -hmm. know everything about you if I had the tool for your area. I, not yeah. everything, but I would know a lot. And, and that's called behavioral surplus. And they all take it from you. Google, Microsoft, Apple. They're all stealing it from you. Now, councils, I don't know whether you're aware, are actually taking it. When you click on the cookie, they are then allowed to farm your 
behavioral surplus. That's anything you want, anything you don't want, they can use. Scary. Isn't yeah, it? well, that's interesting. Yeah, it sounds a bit like a Facebook advert they're targeting as well. You know, you can really hone your target audience down to, you know, the, 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 the one group of people that you know are going to go for your product. And that's the cleverness of this. The, the tool was originally built for salespeople to look at who you target, why you want to talk to someone, what would, who, would be, who would have a propensity to want your items, and then you would be able to hone it down, hone it down, hone it, so you're not wasting any energy on, on things that are peripheral to your product. And it's the same with the politicians. Yeah. If you can get the tool... And you can hone it in. You can look where to drop your leaflets, who to send a letter to, why you would send a particular type of letter to those individuals. Why would it be a different letter to another area? Because their needs and feelings and wants are more about that rather than that. And that's the skill. It's not a skill they have. They don't even know. I mean, they, they're given a post-it note with your name on it, and they know your name's John. That's pretty much it. But it's the team around them that gives them the data and the information on how to play the game. Yeah, and they've been doing it for, well, they've been doing it since the last election in preparation for this one. So they've been targeting those people for that long. And, they've been and, they've been... and then looking specifically at how you would make it more effective, more efficient, better planned, but anyone can do it if you have. I mean, the tools are between 10 and 15 grand a year. However, there's always deals there. But if you had that tool, the world's your oyster. Seriously, it is, because you, you could tailor your MP. Imagine mm -hmm. now for a minute, I would just sidetrack a bit. Imagine now for a moment, which I tried to do when I was with the Sovereign Party and when I was with the Time Party, to look at ways of getting a terms of engagement and understanding with all the other parties. The only person that was prepared to talk was Anne-Marie from Britain First. She was the only one. The rest of them weren't interested. It was all about egos. And it was funny that it was a female in charge of a party that was prepared to see the bigger picture. So you get an agreement with everyone. Nobody stands against me. So Tom would stand in Portsmouth and Bill would stand from the uh, UK, would stand in Southampton. And then mm -hmm. what we'd be able to do is say, no, they don't have anybody standing here this time. It's me, but our values are similar. They're not the same, but they're similar. You then target the audience. So some, uh, you know, Southampton might really in, look for a UKIP member. They might look for an independent. But if you've got the tool to do it and the understanding between all the little parties, you then have a one-dimensional party that wants to fight the triumvirate. Yeah, but that's it's predicated on cooperation. Egos. Egos, yeah. John, are the biggest problem. You, you think about it now. We had an election in London, didn't we, for the mayor? We had, we had Lovey Fox coming in 
We already had Steve there and David. And then we had Lovey Fox come in with Nigel, the honest man's Farage. Yee, let's have a beer, isn't it? I'm one of you, not. And they come in and they steal a chunk of the votes that Steve or David would have had mm-hmm. against the man Brian, who was going to get Brian finished. Brian, Brian Rose as well. He, he yeah. was in the mix. Yeah, so they'll stack to them. Yeah. Whereas if they if they looked for a collective, let's say those four men came and said to, I don't know, Lovey Fox, go back to acting. I know you weren't very good, but there might be a margarine advert you could go and do. Get Nigel Farage, tell him to go to America and carry on talking to somebody. Or go and sit on the beach and tell them you drink bitter. <laughs> you know, and get these other people and say to them, look, you have a place in with to work with me. You're not going to be the mayor, but you could be my right-hand person. You could be... There's one thing I say to everyone, all these people that don't want to work together. You can't be a king or a queen until you're a prince or a princess. You cannot be a prince or a princess till you're in the castle. The castle is the commons. So let's get some princes and princess in there, and then me and you can choose who's going to be king. But all the time we're doing this fighting, we are wasting our time because the triumvirate just keep moving the goalposts a little bit here, a little bit there, using these specialised tools, controlling the media. You're never going to, you can't win. It's a, it's a physical impossibility. But the, the numbers, the maths just show it. Yeah. And I suppose we're back at Sun Tzu and, and uh, there's a place in my army for you. But yeah, you know, yeah. not everyone can lead. Yeah. yeah, think about it. If, you, if you've got 37% of the electorate bothering to vote, and on that point, David Cameron was elected by 31% of a 37%, sorry, 37% of a 31% who bothered to vote. So yeah. if, you look at the, if you look at the percentages of over 60%, time and time again, they're saying, I can't be bothered. Imagine now you've got an understanding so you would position your party, your party candidate, exactly where they would get some of this 60% out. Because the world is about a third movable, a third won't move, and a third move. If you can get just 10, 10% of the immovable, which is a 60% who doesn't really want to vote, if you can get something that they can relate to on a local or national basis, you get the votes. And once you start pulling that vote and instilling a bit of the 37%, now we're talking overturn. Because if you get 10 MPs, let's say you could get 10 MPs from from all the different parties in there in one it. The yeah. next time the election come, everybody would say, Look what they did in Burton under the biscuit, or what they did in Doncaster. They overturned a Tory majority of blah blah because people know knew they could trust these guys. You get in, the next time, you end up with thirty, maybe more. The next time, hundreds, and that's the only way you will get a written constitution. You will be able to make change happen, i.e get the legislation, the way, the power back to us to some extent. We can't be totally in power because we're all idiots. But Mm -hmm. we need 
some form of control over these people. And when they took away the recall bill, that was the slippery slope. Now, that's about four years ago, five years ago. Once they did that, it was game over. But it, it, it was finished. We didn't have anything, even though the recall bill only allowed us to question an MP's behaviour, and he still sat in front of four of his mates, who were MPs, poachers, to make the decision on him. We have to find a way of getting it back. We've got to, because our children, grandchildren, our future generations are just going to lose more and more of what they earn. They work hard. Most people in this country, I would be confident to say, 94, 95% of this population work really hard for every penny they get. And they just keep wanting to take more off you. And they just keep taking more on expenses. It's, it's wrong. But anyway, you probably want to get me back to the election, don't you? Because I'm, I'm going off on a I'm tangent, man. No, you're, you're, you're giving us... Um... You're giving us your idea of a possible solution, but mm. I, I, I would be honest, that is probably something that would be very difficult to implement because you'd need people all on the same side, you need people all working towards it, and you need people to do that for a number of years, you know, not just... Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's not a quick fix, um, it, it would take a long time. And the, And the problem or one of the problems that may arise is as the people get into the positions of power, well, you know what they say, power corrupts. Would it corrupt them, you know? Well, what you do is you get them to sign a contract. You get them to sign a contract to obey the rules and the, and the responsibilities of the party first. And once they mm -hmm. sign that, the moment they overstep the mark, that's a binding contract between you and them. They have no right to stand. Now, I know that's difficult to do because the how do I word this? Many of the people who want to be MPs want to shove their face as far as they can in the trough. Okay, yeah. the two guys at the time party, that's all they want to do. Robert and Tim shove their face in the trough and be part of the isn't it lovely? Who's coming for lunch today over the bridge? Aha! Uh -huh. That's not what we want. We want, as Chancellor, an accountant instead of 92 advisors. We want someone in charge of the police who was an ex-copper. We want someone in charge of internment prisons who was an ex-governor. We want someone in charge of overseas development who actually has a clue about a digger or how you get irrigation to go, because we we dug two canals hundreds of years ago, and we still haven't got an irrigation system in Africa. What sort of a bunch of bound pots are we? But we need to get people who actually have the skills to do those jobs. David Cameron had 92 people advising him, costing eight and a half million. I sent him an email suggesting that David stays on and that we employ the 92 advisors on a zero-hour contract. He didn't respond. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> so why does he need 92 advisors? If I had 92 advisors, I could rule the world. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's jobs for the boys as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can see that... 
you can see that the way all the contracts are dished out. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of corruption in our present political system, and really, I, I think it's beyond redemption now. I, I, I think the only way is to bring it down and start from scratch. With too much government, we've got so many layers off it. Um, I mean, and and the icing on the cake was when they devolved the Welsh and Scottish parliaments. I mean, it's what a waste of money, a waste of time. It's so divisive, you know. You're trying to run a country and you're spending so much money and so much is unaccounted for in these different areas. It's like, you know, it's just crazy. It's crazy to allow people to do this kind of thing. You're bang on the money there. Bang on the money again. If If you think about it, you've got parish council, local council, county council, MPs. In, in amongst all that, you've got the local governance, you've got the local alliance. Then above the MPs, you've got the lords. Then above them, you had the EU. Now, did you know the EU cost billions, hundreds of billions of pounds a year just to run the business, let alone anything else? Now, give me 500 billion, which is what I believe they're costing, and I could get rid of people on the streets in Europe in three years. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a fact. And those who didn't want to go and live in a house or didn't want to live indoors, I would have other sites made out for them to be as free as they wanted to be, but away from living on a street begging for money. But we don't. We'd rather give $500 billion to another tier of governance. What for? You know, we've got Quango Group, Quango. We've got the IPSA, the Independent Parliamentary Standards Association. They actually stated, we do not check MPs' claims. We allow them to police them themselves. So why do we have the IPSA? Purely for the pay rises, so that MPs can say, we don't give it to ourselves, they do. We don't need them. We don't need all these tiers of governance, which you identified a little while ago. What we need is people that we can hold responsible for letting us down and misspending our money. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we need. So anyway, back to the election yeah. process. So you've done your, you've done your leaflet drops. You've been out and you've done yours personally, whereas the other, uh, all the big. Um, parties have managed to get those done through the Royal Mail or whatever and then um, it comes to election day so yeah. what's the process there what happens, did you go to any polling places or anything no, no we chose when the, my wife took the day off and we chose to just spend a day together away from it all because the time committed to it was it was, it was a lot of hard work and and just say thank you, and it said, so we went to some tea, blah, 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 blah. But we went to the, prior to the count, we got there about quarter to five. Uh, we went in, we saw these people that I was up against, and still to this very moment, I can't see how anybody would vote for somebody that not one bit of them hangs the right way instead of a bloke who was a fireman, a soldier, is a granddad, is a good bloke. I just don't get it. 
Uh, I really don't. So we stayed in there. We met a lovely lady who worked for the electorate. She worked for the electoral department at the New Forest. Wonderful Becky. Fantastic lady, as were her team. And a gentleman, I think it was Michael, and sorry, the, the, the other young ladies, it's gone from me, Ed. They were awesome. There was no question that it was too small. There was no task too menial. They helped me fill out my forms for application. They helped me with questioning regarding who could go and view the, the counting, who could go and check on the, the postal ballots. Every aspect of it was tipped by these three wonderful people. So I had to go and met, I met Betty because she was, she was wonderful to me and saying thank you to her. And then we were walking around and it wasn't for us. You just had people, um, it was like, it was like a, a caribou sort of stumbling about in the, in the savannah and these vultures are sat up on the trees going, Where's the cow? Where you dead? And I, I can't be part of that. I know I shouldn't ridicule it, but we left. Now, our count was happening about half five-ish and we never knew till, till three hours later. So... Yeah. The count, I watched them counting. I watched them not counting mine, but I watched them counting New Milton's and others. And they go through yeah. a process, a rigorous process, which is absolutely above board. There's no doubt about that. I watched it, yeah. watched it unfold. I just don't yeah. understand so, how so many vote in the other way. Yeah. So how many votes did you actually get in the end? I got 261. The nearest to 261. 261 out of an electorate that bothered voting of 5,600, I think it was. So I had 261. The next nearest was 280, the Green Party, I think. Then Labour was 281. Nice and close, <laughs> lots of ones there. And then you had the right. two at the top, Tory and Lib Dems have won. Lib Dems have won pretty much for year on year on year on year. Uh, they got, uh, the Lib Dems got, say, 2,500, and the Tories got 2,200, say. But it's... Oh, I mean, that seems, that seems a pretty admirable score when you're in the same ballpark as the Greens and Labour. Yeah, it, it, it was OK. Um, I was disappointed. For my family, mm -hmm. not for me. I, I don't need a badge. I'm quite happy just being me. But I had to stand up. I've, I've sat on Twitter and Facebook and all the other places and whinged and moaned. But I think it came to a point mm -hmm. where I had to put my money where my mouth is. So we did. But to get to put yeah. 7,000 pictures and letters of, you know, me saying who I am and what I do, and then 261 out of that, and the others, 5,000 of them to pick. Well, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. But yeah. it's politics. Yeah. As they say, it's politics. Yeah, and, and what you've got as well is you have the, um, you have the mainstream media only picking up on the mainstream parties. They're not giving any time to... The independents or 
you know, small the small man. They're just concentrating on the big two, and and really that's the way it is and the way it's going to be until something major happens that would change it. Absolutely, totally agree. I look at a local paper. I'm not going to name it, but the local paper had pictures of all of the Tory, all the Lib Dem and all the Labour on a full-page spread of each, for each party for the local area, for the New Forest area. Nothing about me. Nothing about me. Yeah. Zilch. Now, there was a, uh, uh, a small script I wrote for Hampshire Live. I was asked to write it, so I put mine out there. The Tory party didn't bother doing one for them because they knew it was whatever. And that script, people were asking, who is he? Who is Tom Jones? What is he? Now, had we the money to do a page in the newspaper, everybody would have known me. But we don't have the money. You, and so you're straight away on an uneven playing surface. I know people will then say, well, it's the same surface for everybody, but it isn't when the hill's like that. It just isn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the cost the cost of entry is, is excessive. Um, you know, nobody that, that doesn't have major backers behind them is going to get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you could get, if you could get a good, and I don't want to be an MP, Let's clear that. If you could get a large donor, I would construct them a party that you would trust. A party of people that would absolutely be bang on the money and would do everything they say on the tin. And it would be rigged in such a way that these people would be there to serve, not to trough. The trough's going to be there and they're still willing mm-hmm. to put the expenses and that. I get that. I understand all that. And so they should. But we have to try and get away from the poorest in society paying handouts to the richest in society. Because fundamentally, that's wrong. If you think of a pack of lions, even the lowest of the low get something to eat. A private yeah. lion, sorry. But we're not. We're we're looking at people. When I was delivering the the leaflets and things, and my wife and everybody else said the same thing. You go into some homes and you're thinking they're not going to vote because it probably takes them all their time to pay the gas, electric, telephone, to get to work, to pay the tax for the car and insurance. So they've got bigger games to play, and I get that. But it shouldn't be that way. If somebody's working hard, they should be living. They shouldn't be surviving. And somehow, some way, we need a party of people to come along and find a way to not get rid of the rich, not get rid of the poor. That's impossible. But to make the ones that are genuinely striving for an existence on the lower end of the scale, to give them a leg up to get rid of tax totally. I don't know. I don't know what the idea would be, but we've got to, we've got to do something for people out there. Otherwise, we're at Sun Tzu says another one, never fight an army who has no hope. Always give them an escape route. route. 
because without that escape route, they will fight with more with more um, venom. Now, yeah. putting people into a pot, and we're saying you've got no way out. But what we should be saying to them is, yeah. here's the way out. We're going to help you get the leg up to get that done, to get that done. But it doesn't exist. The only people that get cared for, as I see it, are the ones who keep shouting loudest, and they're not the ones. In a car crash, I know this might sound a bit old. In a car crash, when you've got two people in the crash in the vehicle, the one that's making the noise, predominantly, you go to the one that's not making a sound. But in society, we do the very opposite. We listen to the one that's making the woke, the whatever you want to call them, and we don't listen to the little silent voice that's so out of breath, trying to exist. They haven't got the energy to stand up and say, what about me? Yeah. Yeah, no, all very good points. Yep. And, and spot on. What um, would you do again? Would I do it again? No. I... 261 is a good number, as you've said, and, and people have told me that. However, I laid my bones out on that piece of paper. I, I put it all out there for them. I told them what I'd do. You know, me and a team out here in the New Forest, we reduced arson in the New Forest by 75% by interacting with young people. 75% we reduced it by. Now, that was in my script. Albeit I didn't want it there, but I was told it had to be in there to tell people what I did for the community. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I yeah. still got 261, and somebody who's pretty much not done much for the, the thing gets selected. But that, that that's by the by. That's not so a grapes, that's fact. I just it's not fair, it's not equal, it's not a level playing field, and we can't win. I only ever want to win. I don't fail at anything in my life, and this is the first thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good food for thought. Um, anything else? What do you think? No, I'd just like to say, a... John, thank you for, for even talking to me, but I, I would recommend anyone to stand if instead of them sitting being keyboard warriors or whinging or whatever else, to either stand, to genuinely try and help someone who's standing, to offer assistance, but actually mean they're going to offer assistance, not just blow the proverbial smoke up the rear orifice. We have to start standing up for one another. Otherwise, it won't change. We, you, you've identified and, and exactly right We aren't going to do it overnight. We're not going to do it tomorrow. We won't do it next year. But if everyone, all the people who are keyboard warriors or people that complain about everything, just started thinking, how can we? Oh, just quickly, I set up a talk group uh, just for people, like-minded people on, on Twitter. Over 600 people joined it because they wanted to do something else. But we got to the point where we couldn't do anymore because I will not take money off people 
because I know the ones that give are usually the ones least able to. We don't need our money. We need some multimillionaire to come in and say, tell you what, slaphead, I'm going to give you the money. Because that's what I call myself anyway, when I, you know, I, I choose to have a different role. Um, <laughs> but I think, we need to, I think we need to start looking at a bigger game here. And if, if, we could, if they could get the money together, and I didn't invite myself on here to ask for money. I never invited me, did I? You asked me. If we could get... No, I asked you. Not from people, not crowdfunding, nothing like that at all, John. Genuinely big chunk of money. It can be done. And I would get people yeah. in post. I wouldn't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be an MP. But I would set things up that people would win because they deserve to win because we were fighting the battle on a level playing field. Yeah. But if you get your money from, say, a millionaire or, or someone who has an interest in promoting their own business, how do you prevent that undue influence being replicated in you know, your party? Once I've got the money, it's the party's money. Now, he's given it or she's given it to me mm -hmm. on the understanding of how yep. we're going to work. I'm not like that shower in the House of Commons. I don't need money. I'd be nice to have more. I don't. I, they've got nothing on me. They can't twist my arm and make me do something they want me to. But anyone who is willing to contribute, the multimillionaires, if they sat down with me and had a cup of tea, they would see that the values I'm asking about are what we all want. None of us want... I mean, I don't want to be a millionaire. It'd be lovely if it happened. But I think the majority of us look at life that that poor person there needs a hand and we try to offer it. 95% of us are the same. I know that. But it's the 5% ruling us, 5% with the money, 5% of the selfish, they don't want it. But it's getting their message out there that you're not alone caring for people and having empathy isn't a weakness. And anybody fancy and challenge that, when I'm empathetic, I'm not weak. I will stand up for myself and I'll stand up for other people as well because... What we're currently seeing isn't fair, John. Yeah. So one of my off-the-wall ideas that I came up with was why isn't why isn't um, government like jury duty? So we take a random selection of people from all walks of life, we give them their MP status, but they get paid exactly what they got when before they were elected or not elected in this case because it'd be just picked um, and then they, they serve for four or five years or whatever and then they go back to the same you're guaranteed they go back to the same job or the same business or whatever that they were in before so nobody has any interest from a financial point of view in being an MP but they don't lose financially by being an MP um, and then they represent you know, if you have enough people, they represent the world of the country without any undue influence. Um, I haven't given it a lot of detail because obviously 
you may have to make sure that you've get you get people that have a certain degree of intelligence or uh, a certain degree of common sense. But would that kind of thing work? Um, and almost it's, it's almost a bit like the Switzerland system as well. As well, it's not like the Switzerland system because what Switzerland does, they take all their big their big choices that are going to be made over the year and they stock them up and then they have a referendum at the end of the year on those choices that everyone in Switzerland gets to vote on. So the government doesn't decide the major things that go through, it's the, the will of the people. So yeah. you could combine those two systems and, and would that give something that would be a bit fairer? I don't know. It sounds like a good idea. Uh, that the the skill base is is vital. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. I think we would be far better placed to to select not not me and you select a group of people that the, the governments are always telling us about stakeholders. We get another we get ourselves a group of people to sit in and say, look, in your village who offers much? What, do, what, what does so-and-so offer? Where, where do we get these people from? We pick an individual because of their particular skill. Why haven't we got an accountant running the chancellery instead of a mm-hmm. failed banker who lives off his wife's $430 million? Why? Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't look at Matt Hancock, who hasn't even got a basic first aid course running the health service. Yeah. The man's a buffoon. He stood up in well, the House of Commons. He stood up in the House of Commons and said that the vaccine is juice. Yeah. Juice. As, but having said that, having said that, you've got the health service actually being run by people who don't have any health background. I know, I know. But here, I put a tweet out yesterday. Hayes Travel, because I like Hayes Travel. I've used them a couple of times. Hayes Travel in July. Stop holidaying. Stop <laughs> holiday. We can't cope with it anymore. We're overrun. We haven't got enough planes. Every top manager at Hayes Travel would be up the road. They'd be sacked. What do we do? Yeah. You can't use the National Health Service from October to March every single year. The government's got rid of half of the beds. They got rid of half mm-hmm. the beds between 2018 and 2020. That's why we can't cope, because they've got rid of all the beds. Now, mm-hmm. why aren't we sacking these people instead of giving them pay rises? It's madness. But if we could get your idea, of governance with a bit of the Swiss idea, because I think the Swiss idea, the referendum should be as and when the things are needed rather than wait for on block, because then people yeah, can just well, tick, tick, tick. Yeah. With a proviso of a spine within the, the governing who are professional people, being paid a professional wage without expenses, they just get paid a blooming good wage to do the job that they're paid to do. So we have accountants, as I say, ex-governors of prisons. We have ex-police officers, high-ranking police officers, mm-hmm. not necessarily the top. Not, we don't need any dicks. Um, 
but we need we need people right the way through it running the game because the game is important because it's our lives and the people I mentioned earlier that have got no hope if they saw someone like us and I'm not being disrespectful to us they would see us as real people they don't see someone in a suit with a comb over like Grant Shapps as anything they can relate to because these people don't care all they're interested in is their 200,000 a year expenses and getting an additional job to make sure their pension's 48,000 um, uh, index linked for life after three years as an MP that has to go that's gotta go Ooh. that's, that's nice if you could get her oh in it I worked I worked 30 years 30 years to get our pension and as I was retiring 10 years ago there was a thing in the newspapers by the Tories I must have known I was going greedy fireman <laughs> I paid 13% into the pot every month for 34 yeah. years how is that greedy I would rather not have paid anything in I'd rather the money for my four kids so I could buy them a sweatshirt or a pair of trainers or, or something like that they make you do it. Yeah, I know people. Tell you greedy. Yeah, I know people don't understand how much. Well, they never understood how much the police and the fire service, and I don't yeah. know about the ambulance service, but certainly um, the police and fire service did pay a substantial part of your wage into your pension. Thirteen percent is a lot of money, mate. I tell you, everybody. Yeah, that's that 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 I think when I when I started as a fireman, I was on something like fourteen, fifteen thousand. And that was sort of half what the, the national wage was. Well, yeah, my crazy. starting salary as a police, my starting salary as a police constable is something like 6900 a year. Wow. Well overpaid. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, that's nothing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. We um, showed our age now, right? Yeah, no, but we didn't give up our rental line, so I still had rental lines at that point. <laughs> um, so, so one of the other questions that's that, or one of the other things that's put forward is that, in some respects, democracy is a failed institution, and we'd actually be better with a beneficial dictator. Well, I always thought we had a democracy. I, I really did. I don't think we've got a democracy. And I think no. what we're seeing currently with the law changes last February, you know, about the mental the mental health where you could be sectioned or I could be sectioned by one doctor yeah, who was paid right. for, awful, that the, the vaccines didn't have to go through proper testing and that uh, they we couldn't, we had, they had no responsibility for what they pumped into us. Yeah, no liability. None at all. Now, now for, a, for a government to change those three things in tandem or in a, on a three-wheeler bike or whatever you want to do, for them to do that, there's an ulterior motive. And I said it when it happened. Why would any government take the safety of its people away when the first clause of government is to protect the people? Not to claim expenses. Not to go to war, it's about looking after the people. 
I don't understand those those three law changes immediately got me worried. However, I still did the 16-week lockdown. I never saw my grandchildren who lived within six miles of me for, for all those weeks because I believed we weren't being lied to. Now, I know we're being lied to, in my yeah. opinion. But I don't yeah. think, John, we have a democracy. I think what we have is an autocracy run by a load of people from Oxbridge who only ever care about what they get. When an MP can claim for a uh, 70 pence Mars bar on his expenses and then buy seven one million pound houses in Ocean Village, Southampton, the system's broke. Yeah. Uh, I'm 100% behind you on that. The system is broke. It's fixable that if people stood together and work towards it. It wouldn't be a quick fix. It wouldn't take. It would take an awful long time. Um, so the question is, what do we do now? <laughs> I think the only way people like like um, Lawrence Fox are, are assisting in the removal of democracy. He was funded by a very wealthy person to set up a party, and all this party's done is muddy the water, reclaim, rejoin, reflex, repie, whatever it is. UKIP, you've got too many subgroups working against the collective of the good people. But it's the egos are the problem in politics. The egos of individuals who need to be the boss. I've already identified, I don't want to be the boss of anything. I was, I did quite well as a fireman, so I've already done the be in charge bit. I don't need it. I've never needed it. So that's why it was sort of against me going for this um, uh, uh, councillor post. Mm -hmm. The only way to sort it is for the collective, that all of us, to get together and say, right, how are we going to fix it? And get a group of people in the room and then to take all that information out and say to people, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? In subgroups, and it all go all the way out, and then all the information come back into the middle again, and the people in the middle have to say, right, we'll try that. If it don't work, we'll try that. Yeah. Yep. If they don't work, we'll try that. Well, I think uh, I think um, we've given it a good run today. Um, we've been through a, a number of things. Um, we, we both agree that the system as it is doesn't work and something needs to be done to fix it. And it's going to take time and a lot of effort to do that. Um, I'd like to thank you very much for, for coming on, Tom. Um, you've been very erudite and honest with us. And, and thanks again. Thank you very much for inviting me. And we can do this, but if we don't start standing together, 
We're just going to have exactly the same as what we got. Poachers running the farm for poachers. And when a poacher's caught, he's then tried by the poachers to find out whether the poachers done anything wrong by the poachers. <laughs> yeah. Work, mate. yeah. No gamekeepers in sight. There's no even the gamekeeper's a poacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. You look after yourself, right. John. Thank you very much. I do, mate. You're good, man. You take care. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Take away those diamonds, I don't need those rocks A second-hand car and a new pair of socks I want liberty without conditions Roll up the carpet from the floor I don't want to be your prisoner no more I want liberty without conditions I want liberty Take away those drums, they're too loud Give me a guitar and I'll play to the crowd I want liberty without conditions Take away that job, I don't want to work I'll stay at home and play in the dirt I want liberty without conditions I want liberty on my conditions Your line, I want liberty without conditions. Work on the docks or down a hole. Come out at night and pray for your soul. I want liberty without conditions. I want liberty on my conditions. Diamonds, I don't need those rocks A second-hand car and a new pair of socks I want liberty without conditions Roll up the carpet from the floor I don't want to be your prisoner no more I want liberty without conditions I want liberty on Conditions